Welcome, Andrew, to True Wisdom. Welcome, Robert. And we welcome our guests for joining us today. Um, We started True Wisdom because we had the idea that us doing Bible study together is not only a good idea, but there's some Bible principles that will help everyone study the Bible better. So, Andrew, what? how did you come across these Bible principles? Oh, wow, that's a good question. Um, you do like the spontaneity. I'm, all oh, yeah. the time, I'm listening to books, and I'm like, where's he going to go? Let me see if I can anticipate him. Do I have a verse in mind? And then he springs one. Okay, how did I come across these principles? I am, by nature, an analytical person. And I like scripting and automation. And those two things may not seem like they have anything to do with the scriptures. But technically, whatever um, traits and talents God gives us can be applied in a lot of different ways. So I'm a pattern matcher by definition. And as I studied for myself, as I read certain things, as I listened to different sermons, I recognized that there were certain patterns that came out in the Bible. And those patterns made it easier to see things that were true and distinguish those things from other things that the Bible could say, but didn't because they were in isolation. And I recognized that that the way that the Lord did these things was in groups and clumps and patterns on purpose. And we, we said a little bit of this when we talked about the sanctuary. The sanctuary is designed to teach a message of the gospel and to teach a message of salvation and the great controversy. And it's done through symbols, and those symbols are consistently used throughout the Bible. And so I recognize that those patterns were there. In trying to explain them to people or in listening to sermons where someone else taught something, you know, I listened to Preacher A and they say something, I listen to Preacher B and they say something, and I'm like, hey, both of those things are true, and there's a pattern that helps to explain them. And and so as a means of trying to help other people to understand for themselves what they would find in the Word of God as they studied, that's how I was able to see some of these patterns. And I emphasize that. I have not found all of the patterns of the scripture, not even trying to say that. I've not found all of the patterns of scripture, and um, and I don't think that we will find all of the patterns of scripture this side of eternity. But I've found many patterns that help to explain many things and that make it possible to um, for a person to get an understanding of the word of God that won't be shaken by the next charismatic person they run into who can speak well and preach the gospel. Ah, excellent. So let's see. What's our theme for true wisdom? Our theme for true wisdom, it comes from Proverbs 9, 9 and 10. And in fact, Wisdom is probably emphasized most in the books of the Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, and then I would say Job next. Give instruction to a wise man, and he will be yet wiser. Teach a just man, and he will increase in learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. Proverbs 9, 9, and 10. All right. So, let's see. I think it's my turn to pray to start. 
Uh, Lord, we pray for your wisdom to shine down upon us, that even as we study and share, that we learn and that someone else listening can learn and they can pass it on to someone else and they can learn. And, and by doing that, we're better prepared for your second coming. Be with us and bless us. Amen. Amen. You know, you say that. Um, I know we sometimes give just information at the end, but I, I want to make this point. As we share with others the principles of, of effective Bible study, et cetera, and so on, um, I would like our listeners, when they study something in the Word of God and see patterns for themselves, that they tell us, hey, here's something I learned, right? Don't, don't ever feel like we're not trying to learn and grow, too. We are learning as we do these. We're learning as we do, and we pray that we'll learn as people, as we get feedback from other people who are studying on account of these. Oh, yeah. I, um, this isn't one of those teacher-pupil type of things. This is, the more we can all learn together, the better we'll all be. <laughs> this is Iron sharpness iron. Yeah. And we, when we were able to do um, studies, uh, church, our church calls it uh, Sabbath school, when we were able to do studies together, I, to me, that was some of the most important parts of church because we're discussing a passage with people. And then you can go back right as they're saying it and you see their points and maybe you, you have a point you can share. That's how I learn. It's really in discussion. Mm -hmm. If I'm not able to physically right. do something myself, it's in discussion. So that was always great for me, which is why I enjoy this podcast in that I can learn, I can read a text and just by someone else saying, hey, read that again. And I look and I say, hey, I notice something rather than when I'm just reading by myself, I'm just getting through sometimes, you know, just reading from beginning to end. Yes, I got a chapter down. Check that off my list for the day and I move on. But it's, it's, I don't study by myself. I study with a group or I talk something out loud and learn it. Mm -hmm. So what are we covering today? So we're going to, we're covering um, this lesson is going to be very interesting. Uh, we're going to go to Matthew 19. Now, the beginning of Matthew 19 talks about divorce and some other things, and we're going to have to do a series on that at some point. Um, but we're going to start in verse 16. What th This is one of the stories that are referred to as the rich young ruler. Okay? Matthew now, 19, verse 16? Matthew 19, verse 16. The, the young man here is not called rich young ruler. In fact, he's not called, oh uh, yeah, he's called, the, he's referred to as a young man at some point in this. You have to take all of the stories to um, come to the conclusion that he's the rich young ruler. He's not mentioned, he's not called that title, rich young ruler, in any of the, um, the places where his story is found. Uh, but you put it together. In one place he's emphasized as being rich, in another place he's emphasized as being young, et cetera, and so on. Um, this story is well known to us, should be, and we're going to go through it for what it says at face value. It's not that long. It's from verses 16 through 30. But the last time that I went over this story, it clicked for me that this story has a totally, has an extra level to it that I had not considered before. But because of what we've been recently studying about the Godhead and about Christ and his life, it, it really clicked for me. 
because I've been listening to the podcast that we've been doing. I, I always listen. I re-listen to the podcast. They help me after we do them, right? I learn during them, but I also learn afterwards. And so we're going to learn something here about Jesus by going through this. So let's do it. All right. Matthew 19, verse 16. And behold, one came and said unto him, Good master, what good thing shall I do that I might have eternal life? And he said unto him, Why callest thou me good? And just as an aside, I use that all the time. Just that phrase. And so someone comes to me um, and says, Hello, or, or good, you know, say, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. Now, pause a second. Uh-huh. These two verses are very powerful, and there is some confusion with them. There are a lot of people who do not believe that Christ is also God. And when I say is also God, I do not mean that Christ is the Father. I mean that the Godhead, all three members of the Godhead are God. And they are individual persons, right? So God is as much a title or designation as it is a single entity. So the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are different, but they're all God. They're divine, okay? Just like you and I are different, but we're human. And humanity is a core element of, of who we are, okay? So a lot of people look at this and say, Christ said, there's none good but one that is God. And they say, aha, Jesus is saying, I'm not God. Whereas there's a different way to look at that. If you're calling me good and only God is good, then you know who you are speaking to, right? Mm-hmm. That's a different way to look at what Jesus is saying to him. Jesus is not denying anything here. The other thing is, this brother comes and he says, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? He has a flawed concept of salvation. And yet Jesus tells him, if you will enter into life, keep the commandment. Which is odd, right? Because yes. that's supposed to be an Old Testament thing, not right. a New Testament thing. Right. But he can't violate the commandments and expect to get into heaven. So Jesus is saying, if you would have eternal life, you need to keep the commandments. Now, could that also be seen as... Hmm, let me be careful how I say this. Um, a test. Because Jesus knew the man. Right. So wouldn't, could you see those comments as sometimes what happens is not for the person themselves, but for the people who are listening or the people around. So correct. Um, he may be bringing out a flaw in the man's thinking so that others can be aware of how, because th- this is what the Jewish people thought at that time. If you break any of these commandments, and a lot of them were man-made commandments, a lot of them were right. things stressed by the Jewish leaders, but were not biblical. It's part of the reason Jesus came to wipe away right. that thought process. 
So could this be, in essence, a way of bringing this to the forefront to say, hey, look, you're looking at this all wrong? Well, so Jesus has called people out on looking at things incorrectly. He did it to Nicodemus. Mm-hmm. Right? He did it, he did it to the, the Pharisees when they would come, and he said, you violate the traditions of, uh, you violate the commandments of God by your tradition. Mm-hmm. Like he said, no, you're looking at it wrong. So Jesus is not afraid to do that. Right? And But he doesn't do it here. The other thing is, verse 17 is going to be, when we get to verse 21, you'll see that it's in sync. So if Jesus is saying this in front of other people, and he's saying it to this guy, he has to correct, he has to get to a place where he corrects the perspective if, in fact, he didn't mean to convey that keeping the commandments is essential mm-hmm. to eternal life, right? So let's see if Jesus walks back or redirects any of his earlier statements as he moves forward. This, the, the rich young ruler is going to ask him a question, which is an important question, particularly in Jewish culture. Mm-hmm. Jesus says, commandments, and he says, which? What this should tell you is that the Hebrew word for commandment, uh, Greek here, I didn't remember before I got the Hebrew Greek thing. Greek, Jesus is speaking to it in Greek here. The Greek word for commandment is ambiguous enough that he has to ask which commandment. Mm-hmm. He doesn't know if Jesus is referring to the ceremonial law, to the moral law, or something else. All right, so we are at 18. This is Matthew 19, verse 18. He saith unto him, which? Jesus said, thou shalt do no murder. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Honor thy father and thy mother, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. So this isn't the totality of the Ten Commandments, but I'm sorry, I wasn't reading that. <laughs> this is not the totality of the Ten Commandments, and it also included one that is technically not listed in the Ten Commandments, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, but it is a command that Jesus gave um, previously. Right, so what we're being taught here, and this is, this is true, we like to say this is true throughout Jewish culture, but it's true in regular life, right? It's true in regular life. If someone, if you have two classes of, of things, right, and someone says, hey, which of these do I need? You start to describe one of the classes just enough so they get an idea of which class it is. Mm. You don't have to enumerate all ten for him to know you're talking about the Ten Commandments. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? And the fact that he didn't enumerate all ten doesn't mean he only cared about the ones he mentioned. Ah, good point. Right? So Jesus says, keep the commandments. He says which, and Jesus lists some. And pay attention to which ones Jesus listed. He listed do no murder. Mm -hmm. Harm harm to another. That's six. He listed don't commit adultery. That's seven. Harm to another. He listed thou shalt not steal. That's eight. Mm -hmm. He listed don't don't um, no false witness. That's nine. Mm-hmm. Honor thy father, thy mother. That's five. Love thy neighbor as thyself is embodied in ten. Mm-hmm. 
It's it's embodied in ten, but elsewhere it's the, it's called the second great commandment. So it really means all of the commandments that pertain to interacting with people, right? Which is interesting. Now look what that mm-hmm. the ones pertaining to God he did not I- include. He didn't, and we'll discuss that right. in a second. All right. Okay, so. Verse 20, the young man saith unto him, all these things have I kept from my youth up. What lack I yet? Jesus <laughs> said unto I'm, him, go ahead. I'm good, but, but, you know, I, I'm good, but I feel like something is missing. What, what is it that's missing? Okay, so here's the thing. Oh, mm-hmm. well, maybe you'll talk about it afterwards, so let me not spoil it. <laughs> um, okay. Let's see, what lack I yet? Verse 21, Jesus said unto him, If thou wilt be perfect, go and sell that thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. Mm. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Okay. What was it you wanted to to bring up? Well, I was going to say... um, he knew he was missing something in his life. He felt that he was missing something. It's just, and it was revealed, but he didn't fully understand. So go on. Well, yeah, that's correct. He knew that something was missing. He, He felt like he was deficient. He felt like he did a lot of things. So he thought, there's gotta be something I'm missing, something I need to do. Good master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, hey, keep the commandments. He's like, which one? What are we talking about? Like, just in case I'm not aware. And Jesus iterates, oh, I've, all those have I kept from my youth up. Jesus said, okay, one thing thou lackest. Now, remember our earlier conversation. If Jesus is trying to point people in the direction, he's got to do it soon, or people are going to come away with the conclusion that he's saying verbatim, right? One thing thou lackest. If you will be perfect, if you will be whole, complete, spiritually mature, go sell that thou hast, give to the poor, you will have treasure in heaven. Like he gives him the promise before he gives him the the rest of the condition. Mm -hmm. You'll have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. So, and this brother can't give up his current life. Yeah. That was the deficiency. Which, right. which is so, interesting. Right. He asked a question, received an uh-huh. answer to his question, and didn't like mm-hmm. the answer. Oh, yeah, sure. But, but again, he was prepared to do some good thing. Mm. This is excessive. Mm. Right? Because the idea, when, when, you, when someone wants to volunteer to do something good, they don't expect to, their whole life to change. You know what I'm saying? This is, he's asking for... Um, Temporary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, listen, is there a mission trip I can go on to the, the Caribbean, South Pacific, da-da-da, take a month off, go do such and such, um, travel in foreign lands, preach the gospel, do a tent effort, do, right? He's looking at... He's not expecting Jesus to say, go join a monastery. Hmm. Uh, well, right? 
give and up. I'm not suggesting that monastery is a proper thing, but the monastery is a change of life. Yeah, give up all you have and go join a monastery. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. Yeah, exactly. Don't just join a monastery until you get this grump and leave and come back to your stuff. Wow. Yeah. Right? So he wanted to do a good deed. That's what he felt was missing. There's something I could do. And no, Jesus said, there's something you need to become. And so, he couldn't do that. So he wasn't mm-hmm. asking to be saved. He, he was basically asking, what can I do to feel better about myself? No, I will, I'll, I'll take his words at face value. I won't say he, this is like our other discussion. I don't think he was being hypocritical. I just don't think he understood the scope of what being a Christian is. Yeah, well, that's, that's what I mean. I don't think he understood what he was asking. I'm not even saying hypocritical, but what he was saying is, uh-huh. I feel like I'm lacking something. What can I do to stop feeling this way? Because this is what I was saying before. When he, was, when he received an answer, okay, mm-hmm. to be say he wanted eternal life. Yeah, exactly. Yes. But he wasn't willing to do X to get eternal life. Did he really well, want eternal life? Yes. But here's the thing. <laughs> here's the thing. No, no and, and I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. At different points in my life, I've wrestled with this same thing too. Right? We can look at him and say it's easy to say that's because we don't have to give that up, what he's asking to give up, what he's being told to give up. And, and it's a timing thing, too. Right? If Jesus had said, hey, did you know you're going to die in about a week? Go sell all that you have, give to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven. I bet you it'd be easier for him then. Yeah, I don't doubt because that. Many- yeah. Part of his problem is he's a young man and he's envisioning I'm going to be living for a long time in this poverty thing, waiting for the kingdom of heaven, waiting for eternal life. He's worried about the temporal and how it's going to affect him today. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I'm not judging him. Not by any stretch of imagination. Uh, Yeah, I'm saying it because I'm saying it because, so this is my thing, me personally. When I read these stories, I personally try to be as, um, oh, I had the word in mind, but I try to be as generous to these folks as possible. I try to look at their circumstance in the best possible light. I try to see that they meant well, but underestimated what they were discussing or what they were involved in. He actually wanted eternal life. And he recognized that his current course, although pretty good looking from, by all accounts, didn't get it. And he figured there must be some extra thing I need to do because he's brought up in a culture where doing is equivalent with righteousness. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, okay, I'm not doing enough for righteousness. And Christ says, you're right, <laughs> but you can't do enough for righteousness. I have to give you righteousness. And here's what I'll do. You give up that stuff which you're worshiping and don't realize, and I will give you righteousness. And he can't give up that stuff because he was worshiping it. That's why Jesus didn't even bother to mention the first three commandments. Uh, good point. 
That's a very good point. Um, you see, what what I do as you're giving them the benefit of the doubt, I look at myself and I ask myself, it's not as if I'm rich. I'm nowhere near rich. But am I willing to give up the joys or the success of this world for eternal life? Um, I'm, I don't know if I'm much different than him. Just because I get on this podcast and I can recite, read Bible text and discuss it, am I willing to sell all I have and follow God? Because following Christ is different than, hey, we're just going to go to church one day a week. We're going to attend Bible study. It, it, it's more to it than that. And am oh, I yeah, willing? Absolutely. Yeah, am I willing to do these things? Well, the reason why I'm willing to be generous with them is because I recognize the struggle. Right, exactly. Now, I have right? no so, judgment. Right, so when I know that I've had similar moments to his on a smaller scale, and I realize that I was being sincere, or at least I thought I was being sincere, then I have to assume that he's being sincere. Right? I have to assume that he's being sincere. Um, he went away sorrowful. Okay? He went away sorrowful. Now, I'm not going to, we don't need to deal with the rest of this now. It's important, and I encourage those who are reading it to read it. But the reason why this story resonated with me, he walks away from this. He couldn't, the riches that God gave him now, even though God is promising to give him better riches in place of it, he can't give it up. Which means the riches are more important to him than God. That's a sad commentary, but that's a commentary we all have to evaluate. Because each of us, and I don't necessarily mean every single person, right? Because, you know, we may not all have exactly the same weaknesses. But many of us are going to have something that we think we're okay with. But when God is like, what about that? You're like, no, can we talk about something else? Yeah. Let's not discuss that right now. Yeah, that's, that's can exactly I, there, true. There's other things in my life I'd like to work on, Lord. You know, wait, let me get more mature and then I'll. Let me, let me overcome this area and then I'll. We we have those things where when it looks like God may remove them from us, we're like, woe is me, what will I do? Mm. Okay? Um, but this is why all of that is important. That's part of the lesson that's important to us. Here's the second piece. You and I discussed this a few podcasts ago when we were talking about which direction Jesus was, which direction was the... Um, the a far country that Jesus needed to go to. Why, why is Jesus so tender to this young man with the scenario that, that um, is going on here? Because Jesus gave up everything. We don't understand that. We don't appreciate that. We tend to think of Jesus as being in heaven, doing all this stuff, creating the earth, da da da, and then he comes down here, puts on humanity, goes through this whole thing. Yeah, it's bad. He gets beaten, he's bruised. People are always annoying him, frustrating him. He gets hungry, gets tired. Um, he's going to go through the crucifixion, which is ugh, ugly. Garden of Gethsemane, ugly. Crucified, resurrected, goes back to heaven, and he's back, but he has some marks in his hand. But nothing could be further from the truth. Like, that doesn't begin to explain what happened. He gives up everything that he has. Consider this. 
Just consider this one thing. Until the incarnation, the Son of God, just like every other member of the Godhead, could be in multiple places at once. As a divine entity, that was one of his superpowers. He had omniscience and omnipresence, and okay, he could be wherever he wanted all the time. Okay? But then he takes on humanity. And from the moment he does that, he no longer can be in, in every place at once. Whether that he has voluntarily given up, like it doesn't matter the reasoning behind why it doesn't happen. It's clear that it happens because he tells the disciples, I'm going to send you a comforter, right? It is expedient for you that I go away because I can only be with you one person at a time, one group at a time. And it's important for me that I go. And when I leave, I'm going to send somebody who can be with you all the time, wherever you are. Mm. He tells us that. That implies, I, I'm not getting this back. He doesn't say, hey, once this whole resurrection thing is back, I'll be everywhere. No, I'm only going to be everywhere through the Holy Spirit. It is expedient for you that I go away. Because if I don't go away, the comforter won't come. And you need the comforter. Okay. The other thing is, Remember when he's resurrected and he says, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth? Why would you say that? He didn't say, I got back all my powers. He gave everything up. And because he came and because he conquered, he's given everything. Like there's a lot of risk in what he did. Yeah. Right? There's a lot of risk in what he did. Um, the verse that I want to look at just before we, we close this out, but I want, I want everyone to think about this. In Revelation, should be five. In Revelation five, yeah, let's look at this, starting in verse one. Right. And I saw in the right hand, I'll read it. Okay. And I I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne, that being the Father, a book written within and on the backside, sealed with seven seals, so it's scrolls, and it's wrapped in a seal. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? And no man in heaven, nor in earth, nor under the earth, was able to open the book, nor to look thereon. And I wept much, because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. This is John the Revelator. And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb, as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the world. John is going through a very interesting experience in Revelation 5 because he is essentially teleported back to a time. He's going in this vision. The time of the vision is the moment where Christ is dead. Because that's the only way that there's no one available to open this thing. Oh. And while he's 
Right. So he's teleported to the moment where Christ is dead. And there's no one in heaven, no one on earth, no one under the earth who is in a position to open this. And he's weeping. And an elder says to him, no, don't weep. Look, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed, has overcome to open the book. And then he looks. And in the midst of the throne, just popped into the middle there, stood a lamb as it had been slain. And then the lamb comes and gets it. So Christ, on the resurrection, he's in there during this time where Christ is not alive. And then Christ is resurrected and therefore has all power in heaven and earth. And he he ascends and he comes now to open this book and to, and to loose the seals that are necessary to reveal the revelation of Jesus Christ. Jesus gave up everything. And through his perfect life, in harmony with the Holy Spirit, he prevailed and overcame, and that's why he's given a name that is greater than any other name. Jesus is telling the rich young ruler, if you want eternal life, you need to do what I did. Mm. I gave up everything. And the rich young ruler walked away. See, that has me asking what the disciples asked in, in chapters 19. Well, then, if he can't do it, who, who can? Okay, so I'll read exactly <laughs> what they said. In verse 25, in fact, let me just read it. Um, when okay. 22, but when the young man heard the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Verse 23, then Jesus said unto his disciples, Verily I say unto you, that a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. And again I say unto you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And 25 is, is what I always think. When his disciples heard it, they were exceedingly amazed, saying, Who then can be saved? And of course, Jesus answers them in verse 26. Mm -hmm. And so I won't read the rest because th that's some good, that's some very good stuff there. But it's sometimes I think, man, I mean, having to do that, who can be saved? We often say at funerals, that was a good man. We'll see them in heaven, but we don't really know what they were like in private. Um, so I often wonder what, what, what can I do to be saved? And it's not about the doing. It's about where God rates in your life. Correct. Because verse 26 is important. Jesus said unto them, with men, this is impossible. Right. But with God, all things are possible. Right. Exactly. At the end of the day, salvation is about God doing. And sure, we have to cooperate with him. Right? No one is getting into heaven being rebellious. People were kicked out of heaven for rebellion. People were kicked out of the Garden of Eden for rebellion. Mm -hmm. Rebellion will not get you into the kingdom. But, but obedience will only get you into the kingdom so much as it keeps you in God's will who wants you in the kingdom. You, you see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like we're not being brought in because we're obedient. Because we're not resisting the salvation that God is offering, we are able to appreciate the salvation that God is offering. And as a response to his salvation, we will be obedient. 
because that's what he's doing. He's converting us from rebellious people into obedient people. Mm. Yeah, it's not, it's funny. There's things we can do, but doing is not the thing. <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't no, need to be confusing. No, it's the willingness to be aligned to God's will. It's the willingness to do what he asks us to do, right? It's the willingness. He applies his strength to our willingness and enables us to do. Right. The doing is always the byproduct. We, we tend to make the transaction, I did, therefore God did. No, I willed, I desired, I submitted my will to his. Therefore God did, and that doing allowed me to be obedient. Right, right. All right. That is the last word. So why don't you go ahead and pray us out, and we will close. Okay. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you, Lord, for your mercy and your goodness. I thank you for this, this story, not a parable, but it is a story that also has other implications. We tend to forget that the reason why you allow these things to be written in your word is because they had great import for us not just as historical information. Lord, help us that we will not allow anything that we love to be in the place of loving you. Help us, Lord, that we will not be unwilling to give up whatever you ask us to give up whenever you ask us to give it up. And help us to be able to share this good news with others. Please bless this ministry, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Once again, we thank you for listening, and you can write to us, especially, we encourage you to write to us. Let us know if there's something you found, something you'd like us to discuss, or something you'd even like to disagree with us on. Uh, we are able to listen and then seek out the answer in the Bible. So you can write to us at truewisdom at spaceage-llc.com, and you can also reach us on Twitter, um, True Wisdom underscore pod. And for more information, seek out Andrew's podcast. <laughs> Rightly divide the word of truth at biblestudy.asbzone.com. When you get there, you're going to see all of the ways in which you can listen to it. You're going to see all of the ways in which you can share it. All right. We thank you for listening, and we pray you will be blessed.